This is SSN. Story Studio Network. During the pandemic, the big story in real estate was all about the boom. You remember multiple offers, houses selling for wild prices over asking, and many people being left out and not being able to afford a home. Then in March of this year, the Bank of Canada raised its key interest rate for the first time since 2018. Since then, we've had four more rate increases. Overall, the rates have increased by at least 3%. As a result, sales and housing markets all across the country have slowed down. So, is this all because of the interest rate increase, or does buyer fatigue have a little bit to do with it? I'm Desmond Brown, and today on Sold in the Six, I'm going to talk to a mortgage expert who may be able to shed a little bit of light on what's going on in our real estate markets. Jason Georgopoulos is a top mortgage agent with Dominion Lending, and he joins us today. Jason, welcome back to Sold in the Six. Thanks for having me, Des. So, Jason, what have you seen since the rates started going up in March? Well, it's uh, there's, there's been a lot of panic. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it, it's it's always, you know, everybody appreciates the lower interest rates when they're happening. But on the flip side, when they start going up, uh, it, it, it creates a lot of unease with clients, um, especially mm-hmm. because there's no um, there's no limit to, you know, foreseeably on how high they can go. So people say, well, I can afford it now, but what happens if this continues? And that's really what the, where the panic comes from. It's not that the payments have become unaffordable for most. It's more the worry that what if this continues? Okay. So you were really busy, you know, the last few years anyway, but when you take a look at uh, between January and March of this year and today, what are the biggest differences you're seeing? Are you getting as many people coming to you for applications? Um, are you closing as many deals? I know the mortgage, oh, sorry, the real estate market has slowed down quite a bit, but how has it impacted your business? There's been a noticeable increase. I would say now, um, you know. An increase? Sorry, decrease, decrease. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, there's been a, yeah, let's, let's clarify. Yeah, really, there's I been a noticeable. you. Yeah, there, no, there's been a noticeable decrease. Um, people who don't have to make a move right now are, are kind of on the fence. So we've seen, a, a, I'd say, a, a lack of applications. We've probably seen a lot uh, less uh, investor activity as well because mm-hmm. um, they're they're definitely, you know, they, they don't have to purchase more property. So they want to see how things end up playing out in the market. And, you know, investors, because it's less of an emotional decision, it's more of a math decision. Um, the interest rates are playing more into their decision on whether to get into a new property or not. So we've definitely seen a decrease on that side of the business. But, um, you know, it is, it's, it's still relatively busy. Uh, it, it hasn't, you know, stopped uh, on 100%. Um, yes. But again, people are, are picking and choosing now, is, thinking is now a good time. And again, a lot of people, uh, because of whenever we, we see major interest rate changes, as we have in the past year, um, people stop and think and they stop and pause. It's not necessarily that they've changed their plans, but they want to see how things are going to play out before they mm-hmm. make a major decision, like buying a new home. Yeah, it's like the, we talked about it being like a sparring match between buyers and sellers. Um, way back when I talked to you in March after the first rate increase, you had mentioned that the greatest impact was going to be on people who had variable mortgages. And 
Um, do you want to explain a little bit that? Uh, explain a little bit about that to our listeners here about how the variable interest rate holders got affected and how the long-term rates have actually caught up with them now. Sure. So with a standard variable rate mortgage, there's two types of variable rate mortgages. Um, the, the main mortgage offered by your, your big five or big six banks uh, come with a static payment. Um, and a lot of those uh, mortgage holders actually haven't been affected yet other than the amount that they're paying in interest. But their actual mo- um, monthly payments haven't been affected um, because rates haven't increased to a point where what's known as a trigger rate has been hit. Meaning that all that's happened for those clients is the ratio between how much principal they're paying off and how much interest has changed. So their effective amortizations have, have, have gone a little bit longer because now you're not paying the mortgage down quite as much, but your mortgage payment mm-hmm. hasn't changed. Okay. Uh, the, the other type of mortgage, which uh, you know Scotiabank offers, is, is one of the big banks that offer it, but a lot of the uh, smaller credit unions and trust companies and, and mortgage companies uh, offer is an actual, um, a true variable where your mortgage payment changes as prime rate changes. So your amortization stays constant, but your payment does go up as prime has increased. Prime has increased okay. significantly. So for those clients, they have seen a, uh, a monthly payment change. Um, the last of which is is probably just being going to go into effect this month. Um, so the the and that was a, a full uh, sorry that was a, a three quarter percent increase I yeah. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It, again, people were stress tested at higher rates, so it's not to the point I think where people are having trouble with affordability. But no one's ever happy to be paying more, of course. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, you just mentioned the stress test, and when I think back, there were a lot of skeptics out there who were saying, "Oh boy, how are people going to be able to keep their houses once the interest rates start going up?" And you know, once the interest rates start going up by a point. Or, or two points, they're not going to be able to keep their houses. They're going to have to sell, or they're going to lose them to the to the banks. But it, it doesn't work like that in Canada that easily, and that's because of the stress test. So let's, let's t- t- talk about the stress test a little bit and how it actually has helped people to get through these tougher times with mortgages. Well, many people, when the stress test came into being, um, were critical of it because your actual, you know, mortgage payment, for example, was based on a a three percent or two and a half percent. But yet, the bank wanted to make sure that the your debt ratios were okay at five and a quarter percent, so a much higher yeah. rate. And especially, yeah, so they the want mortgage- you to qualify for That's a five right. percent, so they want you qualifying for two to three points higher than what the actual interest rate was. Sorry, Jason. Exactly, yeah. and and many people in 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 my industry were were very critical of this, and I think now um, most of those voices have died down because we see that it actually was necessary, and it did protect a lot of people because we don't have, uh, you know, situations right now where many people are saying the p- payments have gone up and I can no longer afford my mortgage. A bigger percentage of their income is going towards their housing costs, but it's nothing that was unforeseen and nothing that wasn't planned for. So you have a situation where though we have in- interest rates increasing. We don't have a crisis by any means. What about these people now that you're seeing? Um, who, what, what, what are your typical first-time buyers like? Or who are your typical first-time buyers? Um, you know, you sh- f- typical first-time buyers, uh, young professionals in the in the in the Toronto market. You know, uh, 
getting, you know, a, a lot of times, um, you know, getting married, recently married, you'll see, um, or, or, or just starting a family, of course, um, they're still very interested in getting in the market. And I think a lot of them see this as an opportunity because rates have, the rates have increased. Um, there is less pressure on the prices. Um, it's always funny because in the, in a rising market, everyone can't wait to get in. And now we see a situation where people have a little bit more choice and a little less pressure. And the, yes, uh, but yet there's trepidation on jumping in where I think, you know, things should be the opposite. Now is the kind of a time where, you know, uh, I see it as a great opportunity to actually pick that kind of long-term pro- property. Well, Jason, yeah, it's interesting that you talk about the lack of pressure that people have because my last three sales, people have actually had a chance to go back home and think about it and actually make a decision in about a week on whether they were going to buy a property or not. And that's been really refreshing for me when I'm working with purchasers. At least they know exactly what they're getting into. They've made that decision by having long conversations with their significant others, with their families. They've actually been able to bring their their parents in to take a look at the properties as well before putting in an offer. And like I said, it's been really, really refreshing. So that's one of the good parts about the market right now. Oh, for sure. And um, in terms of um, something we haven't seen in a long time is actually being able to put in a finance condition to make sure that financing is fully locked up. And, and you know, though we do pre-approve clients and we take a look at their finances, a big part of the approval is the property itself, which is always a question mark until they get that specific property. So um, to have the ability to put in a finance condition um, and make sure that there'd be no issues on financing, it really takes a lot of the stress off. Um, You know, we haven't had any deals um, fail over the last few years because of, uh, you know, the situation, because we do a very good job, um, you know, vetting buyers beforehand. But that finance condition, if available, if it's, if it's a situation which allows it, uh, again, really reduces the stress in a, in a very stressful situation for people, which first-time buying can be. Yeah. There was um, a period of time there, though, Jason, where we had a client and we did do the financing through one of your agents at uh, Dominion Lending. And the purchase was completed in March, but the closing wasn't until June. And what happened in the interim was that the appraisal came in in June and it was much lower than what our buyers had paid for the property. So tell us what happens in a situation like that. Like we were really scrambling. For sure. There's, in you know it's it always you always want to be able to um kind of buy and sell in the same market because that's where you can run into problems where you know the you know the the decision is made um at one point yet the closing is at another point so mm-hmm. you want to do your best and it's not always possible but to get those things out of the way as quickly as possible like the appraisal um you know to make sure that, that those kind of things don't happen but there are always other options you can get second opinions on the appraisal um you can go for a higher loan to value uh, and borrow more um it's not you know every situation's a little bit different but it's not a case where if the appraisal does come in low then um you know you're out of options and and you're going to default on on the purchase and you have to think about you know in in the grand scheme of things over the last 10 or 15 years it's only been really two or three you know few month periods where we've had this drastic uh price change and unfortunately you know march to june was probably one of those periods where we really saw um you know the rates go up and a lot of people panicking i think things have stabilized you know quite a bit since then and you know we aren't seeing the same types of issues that we are right now yeah we're seeing a lot more stabilization now but there are 
some people out there who are saying the market's still going to go down. It's still going to go south. So if something like this happens again, just let's go over what a buyer has to do. Like I know in our case, the buyer had to come up with a little bit more of a down payment uh, because the appraisal came in $150,000 less than what their purchase price was. And luckily, the seller who had asked for the long closing was willing to renegotiate the price a little bit too. So is there anything else that can be done if, if for some reason we run into a situation like we did, you know, between March and June? Um, there's definitely other things that can be done, but you want to obviously do your best to avoid the situation is the, is your first line of defense. And I think that, um, has to do with getting your financing in line as quickly as possible, even mostly before the actual purchase is done. So that the moment that the, you know, the ink is dried on that purchase agreement, we can get an appraiser out there. Um, a lot of clients, once the stress is off of the initial back and forth on, on the purchase and the, and that they, they want to take their time and, and, and look around for a mortgage. And the, the problem with that is, um, that while that time is passing, the market can change. And that would be one of the reasons we would avoid uh, ordering an appraisal because people think an appraisal on a property is something that we can just get one of and then it applies to every single lender. But every single lender has their approved list of appraisers and it's not one-stop shopping in terms of we'll get one appraisal and it's good for every lender out there. In fact, the appraiser has to make out that appraisal appraisal for a specific lender. So until you've picked the exact mortgage and the lender you want to go with, we can't order that appraisal. Um, so you want to make sure that you know all your questions are answered beforehand and you have a good idea of where you're going to get your financing. Because if you take a month or two to shop around and look at all the different other mortgage options out there, um, the market can change in that period. And we unfortunately can't order the appraisal until we have that lender. Now, if you've been listening to Sold in the Six, you know that Jason Georgiopoulos is my mortgage guy and how lucky I am to have him here on the podcast today. So, Jason, why should I use you if I need a mortgage? Well, Des, my goal is for you to not pay one extra dollar of interest than you have to um, to get it into the property that you want. Um, it's to save you money at every turn, but of course, to guide you through the fine print on all the different mortgage offers out there to make sure that you're making the best decision on a mortgage for you. It's not just about interest rates, though we always make sure that you're getting a competitive interest rate. Great. And how many different lenders do you have? We use about 30 or 40 different lenders right now, Des, um, from the big banks to credit unions to small trust companies. It really is a situation of trying to match your situation with the best lender out there. It's definitely not a one-stop shop in terms of one bank has the best for everyone. It's always about the your specific situation and what lenders can do for you based on that. Uh-huh. And how can someone get in touch with you if they need a mortgage? You can give me a call at 416 690 1502 or email me at jason at betterborrower.ca. Let's take a step back again. And I talked about the increase in, in the carrying costs for somebody, let's say on that uh, option two, you gave us on the variable rate. Yep. Um, let's, let's talk, let's talk numbers right now. So let's say somebody has a mortgage of approximately, $800,000. I mean, we're going to use our average price here in sure. Toronto of being over a million. So your most mortgages are about 
800 grand, right? If somebody's coming in with about 20% down, let's say on the average, right? Is that correct? Yep. Right? Okay. Yep. So back in January when the prime or the key lending rate was uh, 0.25, yep. um, it is now 3.25. Yeah. What is the difference in the carrying costs on that mortgage now? Um, oh, you're, you're putting me on the spot, was. Des. Okay. But approximately. So, it, you know, on an $800,000 mortgage, how much more pe- would people pay for that? And then the second part of this, which is what we're going to talk about, is that actually prices have come down in some markets, in some neighborhoods where it balances out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's what people have to keep in mind, that um, we're at probably the highest interest rates that we've seen in, in you know, 10, 15 years. Um, if you know, and uh, those rates will hopefully eventually revert back to what you know what we're used to and, and normal rates. But any savings that you get on a um, on the purchase, well, that's money in the bank in terms of when interest rates get back. So um, again, people have to kind of look at this as a long term thing and, and look at you know the um, the actual uh, the actual savings that they're going to receive over time. And, and, you know, the interest rates are temporary, but the amount that you save when you initially purchase the property, um, that, you know, that's obviously money in the bank once things, once price is correct. Um, to answer your other question, um, on an $800,000, uh, loan right now, um, going, um, increasing by about 3%, you are looking at a rough increase of, Around a thousand dollars, and in terms of, yeah, so yeah, that's and it's roughly pretty significant. What it's, it's pretty significant, and you can see why the prices have leveled off. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's significant for sure, but you have to realize that we're going from you know emergency rates to kind of uh, rates that are on the higher side of you know the rates for the decade or even two decades. So um, it's it's a pretty extreme correction that's happened to try for the government to try to get inflation under control. And and uh, you know I'll go into that a little bit more if we have time on you know. We can't, you know, obviously we can't turn back the clock on um, what's happened and you can't go back and lock in it when at those emergency rates if you didn't. But I think it's more important for people to understand what could happen now and uh, if they are in a mortgage, what their options are. Okay. Yeah. So we do have time, Jason. Let's talk about that. Okay. About the, about the government trying to control inflation and how it's affecting real estate as well. Sure. Okay. To, so to sum up where we are, uh, inflation ended up being a lot stickier than most economists were expecting, and thus uh, the need to raise the rates even higher and more aggressively. Um, so faced with this runaway inflation, the Bank of Canada unfortunately had to renege on their COVID promises to keep rates lower for longer, and now they're saying they're going to do whatever it takes to get under control. So there are three main scenarios going forward and of course you know no one has a crystal ball so no one knows um, but it's you know this is basically what the way I say see things uh, playing out so scenario a is probably the worst case scenario um, where our economy doesn't slow down at all war continues energy costs and the supply chain um, continue to be a, a negative influence on inflation and this is where the government this is that scary scenario where the government has to raise rates you know we're kind of in and around the five uh, percent mark right now on most uh, variable and fixed rates and they might have to go into the six or sevens to get uh, aggressive with inflation to get it under control. Um, the longer inflation lasts, the more aggressive the government will have to get because they, again, they don't want it sticking around and they don't want that 
to people to start making decisions with inflation built in because then we can get it into a situation that we saw in the 80s where we have you know in crazy interest rates um and i'm sure you remember that time does and and you know what were interest rates at that point right it would make today's rates be laughable um so that's yeah. kind of when i started in eight, yeah in 1985 yeah. my uh i think the interest rate was about 13 13% for a 5 year rate and everybody was saying to me the the old time real estate agents yeah. were saying to me oh but i remember when it was 1920 just a few years ago so this is this <laughs> exactly. is a deal at 13% this is not bad yeah yeah so I, again, and no one sees that coming, but even rates in the six and sevens, that could be very, very difficult for most households to handle, especially considering how much debt is out there. Um, but that is kind of, again, the, the you know one of the scenarios. Uh, scenario B, and this is where the camp that I'm in, um, this is where the rising rates really start to bite hard. Um, the economy um, slows down aggressively, um, maybe even considered a recession, and that will bring inflation down come, uh, down quickly and, and down rapidly. Um, we're already seeing this effect. Um, the shipping rates are down. Energy prices are, are considerably down. And this is kind of what, you know, in, from an interest rate environment, you know, obviously no one wants a recession, but from an interest rate environment, this is the best case scenario. CIBC, actually, their economists believe that the, the last rate hike we had is going to be the last because this is already happening. Um, and, and this is the situation where we'll see rates coming down aggressively to kind of prop up the economy by mid-2023, even early 2023. Um, you know, and, and, and again, as far as interest rates go, this would be the best case scenario because, um, you know, it would be the bank you know, the, the, the actions that they've taken actually working and slowing down the economy to the point now where they can kind of dial back on that. Yeah. Scenario C is the is kind of what the banks are aiming for. We don't see a recession. Um, this is their soft landing hypothesis or, or theory where um, the rising rates start to cool inflation, but it doesn't come down as rapidly rapidly as they like the economy slows um so again no recession but not to the point where um you know we see again high unemployment or anything to that effect um in that case well the bank would probably leave rates where they are right now and not tighten any further um in that case we're probably looking at 2023 as the status quo rates around where they are right now and then starting to come down in 2024 so out of those three scenarios, we have scenario B and C where rates are coming down. And really the question is, you know, is that something that's happening in 2023 or 2024? And of course, you know, no crystal balls here, but, uh, um, you know, if I had to guess, I would probably say that we'd probably see mid to late 2023 rates starting to come down. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting take by you. But, you know, when you take a look at our overall economy, it's still very, very healthy. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of savings that people brought up, um, had during the pandemic, which is going to kind of offset a lot of, um, you know, the increased costs that are going on right now with, uh, with increasing interest rates. So, um, you know, and, and again, real estate is a supply and demand equation more than anything. And there is not enough supply. Um, Still seeing that. Yeah, and there is uh, the immigration numbers that are uh, that the government is releasing are still very very high. It's it's you know regardless of what's happening with the cost of money, which of course is a major factor on this. The overall you know too little homes for too many people is going to be an underlying um, an underlying factor on 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 moving these per prices. So I don't I think we're seeing a, a, a short term 
short-term decline and lull because of the shock of this. But uh, you know, you have to look at overall the demographics of the market, and and really that's more of a supply and demand uh, calculation than uh, anything to do with uh, the price of the price of money. You know, exactly. And also, you have to take a look at where you want to buy if you're, when you're taking a look at real estate, because you talked about immigration numbers. So when people come to Canada, they come, they mostly come to Toronto. Yeah. So we have still not solved our supply issue, which is what you mentioned. So yep. we're still seeing the pressure of that here in Toronto, even though I have been able to get some good deals for my last three purchasers where we've been able to go in and negotiate, take our time, make a, you know, informed decision. I still have a long list of people who would definitely love to downsize, but they can't. We just cannot find them the right property to downsize into. We can't find them the right condo. And I have people who want to upsize and we can't find the right properties for them to do that either. And these are people in the city of Toronto. Now, in some of the outlying areas, um, things have softened a lot more. Uh, there is a lot more available than there is in Toronto. So, you know, as we're seeing all of this unfold right now, like I said, we're still in that situation where we need more supply. And with the city of Toronto growing the way it's growing and just, gosh, not just growing, but my, it seems like we're, we're driving through a city that's under that's being rebuilt, you know, for sure. with all the Con infrastructure changes and everything, mm -hmm. constant construction. There were a few projects that were delayed for, for condos and so on. But overall, this city is still growing and it's, um, it's tough to get in. It's still tough for people to make that change. Like I said, whether they want to downsize upside or for new people getting into the market. So that's, those are the challenges that we're still facing as realtors. Well, I can tell you anecdotally that I have a lot of friends and clients that are still waiting for this drop that they keep reading about in the media because they're Toronto buyers. And the prices in Toronto, um, you know, I haven't seen, I've seen a, a bit of a slowdown, but I haven't seen the drop that we've seen in Durham and, um, you know, Brampton and some of the areas where, where there were considerable drops since the highs. Um, yes, I think the market is a little bit softer, but I have... I haven't seen this big 25% or 30% reduction in prices because people know that, you know, they have, you know, they have something that people want to buy and, and uh, they have something that they're not making more of it if they're trying to sell real estate and they're, they're fine to wait it out because again, most people aren't in a situation where they're in a must sell situation. Um, even with the rising interest rates and people who've had to renew at a rate that's higher than um, what they were paying, we've really seen only about five or six months of that and so you have an increased payment um even if it's as high as a thousand dollars more you know you've seen four or five thousand dollars in in verse higher than what you were planning on paying now i'm not saying that's insignificant but people the last thing that you know people won't pay is their mortgage so it's something where people can you know go years uh, uh and still make that mortgage payment so i don't see there's any any desperation out there i i see that if you have to sell right now you might again you might not have that 30 or 40 offers that we were seeing in 2021 but i i don't think the economic conditions have changed so much so that you're saying i'll take any price i have to move this thing um it's just that's just not the market that we're in with the demand that we have inherently in a city like toronto yeah that's that's a great great way, way of looking at it and it's always great to talk to somebody like you jason because you're seeing all the applications of people actually applying for the mortgages 
you have your perspective on things and then I have mine by just seeing how my buyers and sellers are reacting to the changes that we have out here. But as you said, it's it has changed, but it's not as drastic as people had thought or or people think it's going to be. Definitely not. And I think, you know, again, it, it, it's more a change of of perception. You know, I'm looking at what people qualify for and their credit and their financial situation, and it's very healthy. It's very, very healthy. This is not a situation where people, um, you know, I'm looking at the quality of the applications and the quality of the applications are declining. Um, people just don't want to be, you know, purchasing a property and then it, it, it dropped the next day. No, no one wants to be that person, of course, right? So, we, we, you know, people are just waiting for that positive bit of positive news so that they can do what um, they were intending on doing in the first place, whether, like you said, whether it's upsizing, downsizing, you know, buying that investment property. Um, and I think once we have a, a little bit more stability in especially the news cycle, um, because that's what's scaring people right now, I think. Oh, those um, journalists. I used to be one of those. Watch <laughs> I them. know, I know. Watch those know. headlines. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think that we're going to see a lot more activity because people will realize that um, – this is might be a once in a lifetime opportunity to kind of get in at these prices that have been reduced. And uh, again, to have that choice, I'm not telling my clients that, you know, prices are going to, you know, they're going to get a great sale price on demand real estate because uh, you know, it, there's yeah, still there, a lot there of people a lot want of de- it. Yeah. There aren't a lot of desperation <laughs> or, or desperate sales. Exactly. Out there. There still aren't. I'm telling you what they might get is their choice of a few properties, which, mm-hmm. you know, is a luxury that not a lot of people had in the last few years. You just kind of take what you could get and, you know, a, a situation where you don't have to worry about losing 10 or 15 bidding wars before you finally get that mm-hmm. one property um, and feel like you had to break the bank to get it. You know, being able to get something around what you were planning on budgeting on. So that's going to be kind of the win for a lot of people rather than this huge reduction in prices. Uh, and that's just the Toronto market. Yeah, for sure. It's all positive, Jason. It's all positive. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us again on Sold in the Six. My pleasure, Des. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. Like Jason says, this market is still very healthy, so don't be afraid to get into it if you have to. If you like this episode, please subscribe to it and you'll start receiving them automatically. And feel free to forward this episode to a friend. If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me, and my email address is des at desmondbrown.ca. That's D-E-S at desmondbrown.ca. I'm also on all of the social media platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and my handle is des and the six, and the six is spelled number six, I-X. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown. This is Story Studio Network.